Hello and welcome to the agency show by ClientJoy. I'm Yash, co-founder and chief executive at ClientJoy. At ClientJoy, we help agencies manage their leads, proposals, contracts, projects, support, invoicing and payments, the whole nine yards. The agency show is our podcast where we invite agency experts and owners who make seven plus figures a year to talk about their problems across their growth, fulfillment, and revenues, and we talk about their journey of solving these problems. If you're an agency owner, this show is for you. So do not forget to hit the subscribe button. In this episode of The Agency Show, we've got Khalid Saleh. He is Chief Executive at InvestP based in Chicago, Illinois, where they offer industry-leading conversion rate optimization services. He, along with his co-founder, Ayat Sukhare, also wrote the best-selling book on conversion optimization. This conversation is brought to you by Ichai. Give this talk a listen if you're looking to learn industry best practices for upselling, cross-selling and retention strategies for your clients. Over to you, Khalid. Uh, thank you, everybody, for, for attending. Um, uh, this, this topic is actually a topic that I continuously think about in our agency. Um, it's a topic that I think keeps most agency owners uh, up at night thinking, well, how do I make sure that I retain my existing clients? How do I actually make sure that I'm able to expand? Um, let me just move this over here. Okay, very good. Um, so in the, and I'll share with you the journey that we've gone with. We've been around for a little while. We, the, the lessons that I've learned today, some of them are very common sense, uh, yet most agency owners that I talk to uh, struggle, uh, struggle with them. Um, I was just on a conversation yesterday, a two-hour conversation with the digital, market, uh, digital marketing organization, digital marketing organization based in the U.S., it has close to 1,500 agencies as part of it. And you hear this consistent problem. How do I land my next client? How do I expand within the current client? This session will be a lot more interesting if we make it interactive. So uh, frequently, what you will see is I will ask for you guys. I'll, uh, I'll ask Sahel to unmute some of you guys, participate. I think it will be interesting just to have that, that conversation uh, this way. Not sure. Excellent. Very, very, uh, that will be better so that people yeah. can interact and I think they won't be getting this chance again to interact with you live. Exactly, exactly. Now, so some of the recommendations that you will hear here are just based on the experience, how we've actually managed to keep clients uh, for so long. But quickly about Invesp, so you would know the experience that we've had. Uh, Invesp is the second conversion rate optimization company in the US that was founded in the US. We've started back in 2006. Um, at that point in time, most people did not know what CRO is. Nowadays, there are thousands of companies. So we've been doing it for about 13, actually 14 years. I should have updated the slide. Uh, on average, we deliver about 65% uplift for our uh, clients within, uh, within 12 months. We've done close to 500 plus conversion optimization projects. Uh, we have close to 16,000 A-B tests under our belts, the most that any agency worldwide has. Uh, of those, we have 7,000 successful A-B tests, and we serve clients in 12 different countries. Um, let's jump in. Um, this is us back in 2006, me and uh, my partner, uh, Ayat. Um, and I'll take you through the journey that we went through. When we first started the company, in all honesty, we were willing to take any client, as long as they're willing to pay, uh, as long as they can, uh, they can afford whatever we charge. And at that point, it was dismal. Um, and on average, where we struggled is that clients stayed with us for about six months. Now, 
It depends on the industry that you're in, but if you're in the conversion optimization industry, uh, until now in 2020, kind of fast forward, uh, the average client stays with a CRO agency for about six months, uh, for about nine months. So not a whole lot of development had happened uh, in the last 14 years since we've worked in conversion optimization. Uh, this is us 14 years later, a lot more gray hair. Um, our deal size had increased 25x. Um, our clients typically refer other clients. Um, we get lots of inbound leads just because of the brand that we've established. Um, and on average, clients are staying with us for 24 months. So compared to the rest of agencies in the uh, conversion optimization world um, that are doing nine months, we're doing 24 months. We've had some clients that's been working with us since 2011. We've had, that, that's kind of our longest client. Uh, but our large clients uh, are typically uh, with us for about four, uh, to five, uh, four to five years. The question that I'm gonna try and answer and share with you today is how do we keep clients happy? Uh, because happy client means more business, uh, consistent business. It means that you're able to expand within the client, add additional revenue opportunities. That's kind of the question that keeps me up at night and should probably keep most agency owners uh, up at night. Uh, as I'm going through the slides and I'm gonna go through the different rules that my team follows, if at any point I'm going too fast, feel free to just send me a message via the QA. Um, tell me that I'm going too fast. I was, I was on a presentation back in 2007 with Dharmesh Shah, and he says something, uh, the co-founder of HubSpot, and he says something that I keep on borrowing or stealing. Uh, he says, I only have two speeds, fast and faster. So we'll see how this goes. Here are my seven rules for keeping clients happy and expanding. First, understand why clients hire you, land the right clients, number two, number three, set the right expectations, number four, it is the experience stupid, number five, deliver results, number six, show the results, number seven, be trusted and strategic advisor. Those are the seven rules and the devil is in the details uh, because they're like, oh, well, they're all common sense. Well, let's go through the details and make sure that we're following each one of those rules. Make sure that we're actually, as we're engaging with a client from the moment we started the sales process to the project, uh, the, to the uh, onboarding, to the project delivery, to the expansion, we're following those, those rules. So I'm gonna start with the first rule. Understand why clients hire you. And I, I'll, I'll share lots of stories over here. So um, for a long time, since we are a CRO agency, I thought that clients hired us to uh, increase their website conversion rates. You know, CRO agency, so you hire, uh, you get hired to increase conversion rates. And this was the results because most clients who came to us, uh, they asked a simple question. They said, well, how can you impact my conversion rates? And I think that is the main problem that people struggle with. They don't understand why clients are hiring them because they listen to the clients. Lots of times clients tell you that they're hiring you, hiring you for a reason, but there is a completely different reason behind the hiring decision. So before I move forward and I kind of expand on this point, um, why don't we just kind of use the chat feature? Is there a chat feature, uh, Sahel, over here? 
Yes, yes. That we have. Uh, can I hear just from the attendees, uh, why do you think that uh, clients hire you? What do you do and why do you think clients hire you? Let, let, let's, let's hear that. So if you're a digital marketing agency, if you're an SEO agency, PPC, CRO, or UX, or design, or development, let me hear. Why do you think clients hire, hire you? And as, as you're sharing your answers, what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk to you about an old problem that happened in the 1920s. We have all these skyscrapers that's been built all around uh, the, the US. And those skyscrapers basically had a single elevator. Well, uh, with a single elevator, um, and as more and more people moved into living to, in these skyscrapers, people starting, uh, started to get stuck in the elevators, waiting for the, the single elevator in the building. So building owners and engineers and architects gathered people who were living and they started doing the typical customer surveys. Hey, how can we solve this problem? Uh, I know everybody's complaining. I know that there's a long wait time for the elevator. And what people told them, well, you know, it would be nice to have more elevators. Instead of one elevator, you really should um, expand and like put two, three elevators. Now, as you can imagine, uh, adding more elevators to a building is a very costly proposition. Um, it's going to require tearing down a building rebuild like you know rebuilding and putting like you know new elevators a smart architect however came up with a different solution the solution was very simple let's go ahead and put mirrors in the elevators um, and that's by by the way the reason that until now whenever you go into any elevator in any building you see those mirrors and guess what happens with with when you put mirrors people now don't have to interact with each other they can look at themselves in the mirror uh they can keep themselves busy and that long wait time that did not change correct they still have to wait for a while uh evaporated in the mind of the customer now i'm going to just read some of the answers before we see how all of this relates to what we're doing over here Clients hire to solve problems, to eliminate, eliminate their pain, uh, have more elevators, keep some distraction, nice availability, activate them uh, when, uh, when, uh, when the wait, okay, so provide some value. I like some of these answers. Let's go to another story from one of our clients, and, and this, this was interesting. And it's a story as old as time, the Snickers versus Milky Way. For a long time, the team at Snickers thought that they were competing with Milky Way. That was the competition, you know, one candy bar versus another candy bar. Um, and they were sitting there trying to figure out, well, if we want to expand the market of Snickers, what do we do? Uh, do we need to add more flavors? Do we need to change the packaging? Do we need to, because they were looking at what Milky Way is, is doing. Now, somebody who's very smart, told the team, the marketing team at Snickers, stop before we go ahead and look at what Milky Way is doing and copy what they're, what they're doing. Let's understand why people eat a Snickers and when do they eat a Snickers. So if you think about it, um, when do you usually have a Snickers and when do you usually have a Milky Way? And this was really interesting. It turns out that most people have a Milky Way right after lunch uh, if they want to have a Milky Way or right after a meal. People have Snickers at a completely different time. They usually have Snickers around 3.30 to 4 p.m. They've been in the office for too long. They're feeling tired. They need that boost of energy. Milky Way was eaten as a way, as a reward system. Something like, you know, I'm like, I just had a meal and I need something sweet to eat. Snickers did not serve that job at all. Snickers was, when people wanted to have Snickers, they were considering, well, should I have a Snickers or should I have a cup of coffee or should I have a Red Bull? 
Snickers was not competing with the Milky Way. And if the team at Snickers thought that they were competing with Milky Way and they've designed their marketing based on that, they would have lost a lot of money because people were not even, when they want to make the decision to hire a Snickers, uh, when they wanted to, and I use the word hire because I believe everybody, everything gets, gets hired, correct? You get hired by your clients, Snickers gets hired by somebody who's eating a Snickers or Milky Way. So you always want to understand the rationale behind when somebody is making a decision to hire you. Now, it's important to understand that rationale and to go very specific. So for example, when we say, well, you know, clients hire me to relieve their pains or solve their issues. Well, that is too vague really to have anything very practical. You want to get into something very practical. What kind of pain are we talking about? Uh, what kind of problems are we solving? Pains? Well, you know, my chair makes me feel uncomfortable, so that's painful, but you're not solving that problem for me. So let's go very specific. Now, I've learned this the very hard way. We've been chasing a client for, oh, probably four or five years. One of the largest uh, online educational portals, they have about an $18 million uh, marketing budget, and Basically, they can simply hire us and it's not going to even create a dent in their budget and we know what kind of results we're going to deliver. And I, over the years, I've developed a good relationship with their VP of marketing. We came through a referral from another sister company and I was talking to him and I told him, well, you, know, you, you have this huge marketing budget. What are you considering? Who are we competing against? And I thought to myself, he's going to say, well, you know, I'm, I'm considering and I'm looking at other uh, conversion optimization companies where he shocked me. He said, Khalid, to be honest with you, if I'm going to hire you guys, I have to stop the paper, the snail mail campaigns, the, this advertising that you see, and I have to move some of that budget to conversion optimization. In my mind, I thought I was competing with other conversion optimization companies. In the customer, in the client's mind, I was competing with something completely different. I was competing with the junk mail that, that he sends, and he actually spends close to $60 million on Sunday, and, and this is an online portal, educational portal, uh, but he was thinking, well, I have to cut from the budget of something that I know is working, regardless of what Carlos says, I know it's working, it's proven, it's tried and proven, so I need to think whether this makes sense or, or not. So as it turns out, for us, clients hired us not to increase their conversion rate, because if that was the case, then I would not be competing with the snail mail. Clients actually hired us to increase their online sales. Conversion rate for us was a symptom or the way we thought about it. But for clients, ultimately, especially for decision makers and senior decision makers, it was more about the dollar value that we can bring. How much more revenue can we bring? Now, everybody says, you know, and everybody had heard the saying that from Professor Theodore Lovitz, where he says, people don't want, don't buy, don't want to buy a quarter inch drill they want a quarter inch hole. What do you guys think of that saying before, before I move? Because I always repeat the saying in every conference and you know, people always like don't nod their heads. What do you guys think? Uh, when you go here in the US, we go to a Home Depot or a Lowe's or any of those uh, department stores that sell uh, the, the drills. Do you think that's you're actually buying the quarter inch drill or are you buying the quarter inch hole? What do you guys think? Before, before we continue, let, let, let's hear what people, are, uh, people think. I'm gonna put the chat over here. So I can uh, saying over here. So you agree with the saying or you don't agree with the saying? Let, let, let's hear it. Let's make it a bit more interactive, guys. So it's, it's a bit more interesting. Otherwise, I get bored listening to myself because I hear myself talk all the time. Uh, do you agree with this or not? It's either yes or no. Easy and quick. 
uh, agree, we have agree, yes, 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 agree, agree. Wow, everybody's agreeing. I completely disagree. I just moved to this house over here in Chicago. Let me tell you. And for a long time, and I have the lights turned off so you guys don't see the, uh, the pictures and the, like, you know, the paintings that's some on the ground. For the first month, my wife bugged the heck out of me. Call it, when are you gonna put those pictures up? Call it, when, do you, when are you gonna put those pictures up? And I'm thinking to myself, and I, and I kept on thinking about Professor Lovitz when he said that. I go to Home Depot, I pick up the quarter inch uh, drill, and I'm thinking to myself, did I buy the really quarter inch hole? No, no, I did not do that. I did not buy the drill, nor did I buy the hole. I bought actually something completely different. I bought two different things. First thing that I bought is my wife getting off my back and for her to stop nagging me about putting the pictures up. It was not about the hole in the wall. And the other thing that I bought, so there was an emotional side that, I, and the, the, that pushed me to say, you know what, gotta buy that drill, uh, gotta go down, gotta put the pictures up. It had nothing to do with the hole. So you wanna take the saying a step further, but there's something else besides my wife nagging me. It was actually a weekend where my friends were coming over and I was gonna take them down to the basement and I have the, the place set up, but I have all these pictures all over the place. And I really wanted to show off those pictures and paintings to my friends. So there was also a social element to the, me going down to Home Depot, buying the drill. Every decision that we make, and, and you have to think about this from your clients, there's three different aspects to a decision that your client makes. And I think this will make your life tremendously easier if you always think about that. There is the functional aspects. They hire you to increase, to get them more money, correct? They hire you to like, you know, put the pictures on the wall. They, we're getting hired for something functional that is very clear. But then there's the emotional side of why somebody is making a decision. And then there's the social side of why somebody is making a decision. The best example that I can give is logos. You know, we, we all see logos and uh, you know, everybody, like, you know, the company says you can spend $15 get, and get a logo for your business, or you can spend a million and a half to get a logo for your business. Completely different, correct? Why would somebody pay a million and a half for a logo? And is the logo that's for a million and a half a lot better than the logo for $15? I can actually argue that it's not. Sometimes if I just merely show you a thousand logos, 500 of them made by the, the, the cost a million and a half and 500 of them make the cost $15, you probably would not, like most of the time you would not be able to tell the difference. The reality of it, people sometimes hire you because they want to do something specific. They want to achieve a specific, uh, a specific goal. Um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the brand Lululemon jeans, uh, they cost $130. And I was talking to my brother-in-law who loves to buy Lululemon jeans, $132 to be more exact. And he was telling me how comfortable they are and how good they feel. And I looked at him and I said, I will never buy, I will never pay more than $30 for a jeans. It's just a rule that I have. I, I'm willing to spend hundreds of dollars on a suit, but for a pair of jeans, I have a rule, not more than $30. I said, no, but they feel more comfortable. I'm like, look, I'm, I'm willing to bet if I remove the Lululemon logo and the Levi logo, and I show you the two jeans, you're not gonna be able to tell the difference. His answer was so powerful to me. He said, well, people like us, like me, buy Lululemon. And that's really what comes down to people like me. What is the club? What is the tribe that people join when they hire you? You always wanna think about that. So. Okay, so this is all nice in theory, 
but how do I really understand why people hire us? What's the actual motivation? Because by the way, if you figure this out and you use those words that the clients use when they're hiring you uh, and digging deeper, correct? Not the words that they tell you, but the thoughts that they have in their mind, you're able to land a lot more clients. You're able to keep clients a lot longer. So what we do, the trick that we do is we actually interview our clients. Whenever we onboard a client, uh, one of the first things that we do during the first week is we actually interview a client. Now, this is a bit a bit different because people say interview a client, so we're going to ask them about their goals. I'm like, no, 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 they're not going to give you the right answers. So what we do is first, sometimes we take uh, uh, nonprofit clients, so they're not paying, but so we always are looking for the clients who are paying uh, paying us money um, and considerable amount of money, and. Again, we interview them during the first month of an engagement. Um, we're interviewing people who made the decision, who actually signed the contract. We also interview the influencers, those who actually participated in making the decisions. But we never ask them why they hired us. We always ask them, so when did you, when questions, when did you first think that you need to hire a conversion optimization company? When did you first think that you need to hire a development company? Never ask why, always ask when and listen to what the clients say because one and they'll it's amazing because they'll tell you well you know i was really struggling with the revenue at this month i was really struggling with our developers i was really struggling you want to find those moments of struggle take those words record every client interview that you do and analyze and look at consistent themes. Now, one of the other tricks that, that we do lots of times, when did, you, when did you first think about hiring us? Well, you know, I was struggling, I was sitting at home and I said, oh, this is really horrible. I would tell them, let's go back to that moment. Imagine that we're shooting a documentary and I'm the director, I have a cameraman and we're doing a documentary style and I'm interviewing you, where were you sitting? And people said, well, where, where was I sitting? This is a very strange question. Um, was it day and night? Was it Saturday or Sunday? Was it the weekend? Were, what, were you on your computer? And the reason I ask those questions is I want to take the client to that emotional moment when they made the decision. The minute you get them into that mindset, the amount of words that, the, that they use are so powerful. Lots of times people tell me, Colin, you write amazing copy. And I tell them, I don't write amazing copy. What I do is I use the words that the clients uh, have used in interviews. I use them in copy for our site, for our, uh, for our uh, client sites. Uh, I use them in, as the project progresses, as we're doing different statuses. Keep those words because this is the emotional triggers that the clients are actually uh, making, like pushing the clients to make a decision to hire you. Keep this aside for a second, you know, and understanding basically why you're getting hired. The next trick is to you need to land the right client. Now, there's several aspects to landing the right clients. There is what do the numbers look like? And you really should hone in and understand what kind of clients you can work with, what kind of budget they have, what kind of annual revenue, what kind of volume. And this might be different from one client to the next. We've discovered during the first three, four years of working with clients that we would take any client. However, the clients that actually benefited from our service that started to see benefit are the clients that are doing $2 million in annual revenue. The clients that thought we are absolutely amazing are the clients that are doing more than $10 million in revenue. If somebody comes to us and says, hey, I want you to help me increase conversion rates, and I look at them and they're doing less than half a million, 
I know that regardless of what we do, they're not going to be happy. Um, so those are the clients that we avoid. For us, for example, as a conversion optimization company, we don't take clients that are doing less than 500 conversions a month. If you haven't thought about this, and let me also let's use the chat. What's the criteria that they're using? I'd love to hear from you. What's the criteria that you're using just purely based on numbers? What's the criteria are you using to actually accept clients? When do you say no to the client? And when do you say yes to the client? 70% uh, of the inquiries that we get, we turn around and we tell them, we're really not a good fit. Let's recommend somebody else for you. So that's one, one question that you want to hear. And please use the chat. Let me, let me hear about the numbers that, that you use to evaluate or if you use uh, I want clients that take action. Uh, very nice. So uh, this is actually going to be like, no, the, the, the third point. What industries? Um, for a long time, we used to serve clients in e-commerce and SaaS and, and lead gen. What we're finding out that we don't really do well with clients, for example, that uh, rely on lead gen. We do tremendously well with SaaS clients and with e-commerce companies. Um, the third thing is what personality traits that you want. We got hired back in 2000 and, and, and what kind of, when I talk about personalities, I'm talking about the actual personalities and the team personality as well. We got hired back in 2015 by eBay. Dream client, correct? Is like, okay, well, we're gonna come in and gonna help you increase your conversion rates. Things are gonna be tremendously well. And typically with, uh, with any clients, we, we deliver A-B tests. So we're, we deliver anywhere between eight to 12 different A-B tests within a month. Long story short, six months later, after eBay hired us, we had delivered a single A-B test for them. So I always give this example as the most expensive A-B test that probably has ever been done because they continue paying us every month. They're paying the retainer fee. And instead of getting 80 A-B tests from us, they end up getting a single A-B test. And just to top things off, that test did not generate any results for them. So I still recall the meeting that we've had with their CTO, who was our sponsor. Uh, he's the one who brought us on. He's the one who signed the check. And I'm sitting in a meeting with him and he says, one test, six months, and no results. And the reality of it is for that single test, we had 21 iterations. The culture was so slow. They did not know how to move as fast as we did. We did not know how to accommodate them and how to push them. Uh, now, since then, this is back in 2015, the development team now in eBay is divided. That single development team that we're working with now is 18 development teams. Not a single feature gets rolled to eBay without them running it as an A-B test. And now we're go we, we, we go from a single test in six months into close to 20 tests per month. The culture had shifted. So it took a while for us to learn how to work with that client. It took a while for the client to learn how to, uh, how to uh, work with us. Uh, just a note over here, um, and, and this is really interesting. Maybe, like, you know, Peter, like, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll uh, talk, talk through this uh, as well. Clients who take actions. Um, I don't know, like, you know, Sahel, and, and I don't know, Peter, if, if you're willing to, uh, to, to, to join the conversation, unmute. I don't know if you're not comfortable, by the way. <laughs> no, no big deal. So ask the question. <laughs> Sometimes I put people on the spot. I was like, hey, I just wrote something. I don't want you to be talking and be put on the spot. So Peter, if, you, if, you, if, you can, if you're willing to chat, just like un unmute, it'll be awesome. If not, I'll continue. Peter, uh, I'll try to unmute you. You can go on the left-hand side of your screen and then you will be able to unmute yourself. I think Peter is not able to unmute himself. Ah, okay. So by, by, by the way, this is sort of interesting. 
clients that take actions, this is what Peter said, I want clients that take actions. What does that mean? Do you, one of the things that, uh, one of the reasons that many of our projects that during the first two to three years failed because client, because we relied on clients to carry out the implementation of our recommendations. We would give them recommendations. We're strategic advisor here. Here's what you can do. One, two, three, four things. And guess what? The client has about a million things going on. They have a ton of priorities that are happening and it's extremely difficult. You're just one other project and you're probably just nagging them. It's like, oh, can we can implement, we can do this. Um, I go back to one of our clients where we're pushing them. It's like, can you implement? Can you actually make things happen? And he looked at me and he said, Khalid, I have about 17 different, pro 18 different projects that are running. You guys are only one of the projects and to expect me to be able to implement everything that you're recommending, we're, we're too busy. So we've learned over the years, one of the things that actually helped us deliver value to our clients is whenever we're onboarding a client, we tell them, listen, all we need from you is weekly meetings. We show you, you decide this or no, we handle the implementation now. As a conversion optimization company, this is very easy because we actually can handle the implementation. I have one of the largest uh, SEO agencies uh, is, is our client, which is sort of interesting. An SEO agency comes to you to help them increase their conversion rates. So one of the challenges that I saw that they deal with is they give recommendations to clients. And I told them like, well, so what happens if the client doesn't implement recommendations? They said, well, we just wait. Well, no, if you just wait, guess what? You give them recommendations the first month, you give them recommendations the second month, the third month. If it piles on at some point, the client management is saying, you know what, this is going to take too much or it's going to cost us too much to implement goodbye and good luck. So you need to figure out a way of how do I actually help the client implement my recommendations where it just becomes yes and no decision. So that's something very important. Um, another question that you want to ask, why are you the right choice for the client? Um, that is, let's see, to ask clients, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll go through that. Why are you the right choice? This is actually an, an important question. Um, why should I select you? Uh, why would I choose you from all the different options that I have? Now, I always refer, and I, and I think this is an important book that any agency owner uh, should read. It's called The Road Less Stupid, The Road Less Stupid, because the, the, the author, uh, Cunningham, uh, Keith Cunningham, talks about um, all the mistakes that he have done uh, over the years and mistakes that he has done that actually cost him a lot of business. So you want to answer this question um, where you say you're able to communicate to the clients clearly that here's what we do. Um, here's what our competitors do. If you want what our competitors do, then you probably should hire them. If you are looking for what we do, then let me show you why we are the best fit. Now, this is extremely challenging for agencies because what happens with agencies, we all look alike. We all sound the same. We all have the same decks. We all have the same presentations. We think that we're different. Um, three, four years ago, we had a, a travel a visa agency uh, site reach out to us and they said, hey, we, we're looking to hire a conversion optimization company. And hey, by the way, you're competing against the other top four CRO agencies in the US. I'm excited. I can land this client. It's a client that's going to probably spend about half a million dollars. I'm going to be on the, on the sales calls. I want to make sure that we land them. We run through the process. Three weeks later, I'm talking to their VP of marketing, Michael, and I'm like, Michael, so you've sat through our presentation. You've, you've sat through the presentations of our competitors. So what do you think the differences are between us and our competitors? Now, what Michael has said, and he was brutally honest, he said, Khalid, let me tell you. If I didn't know that I'm talking to Khalid, you actually 
all sound the same. You all have the same process. You all use the same presentations. You all use the same words. Now, this was shocking to me. And really, I'm like, really? Like, you know, after all the work that we've done, we actually all sound the same. You need to figure out the difference of what you offer between you and any other agency. Now, I hear lots of times people say, well, quality. Uh, we deliver better quality. And I always tell them, like, you know, nowadays, everybody delivers the same quality. If you still have not figured out the quality issue, then... Um, then that's probably where you should focus. But assume, just to make your life easier, that, and, and that's what the client thinks, that the quality is going to be the same between you and your competitors. So you need to find a different, a different differentiator. It could be price, but I would never compete on price. Um, if you're able, a, a better option, which is extremely hard to do, is the brand. If you're able to establish a brand. And what does it mean to establish a brand? There's a great book, Brand Gap. Highly recommend it. Um, read it. Think about this question. Why are you different? Why would a client say, I want you, I want to hire you? Um, I was talking to a prospect a few months ago and he said, listen, we can hire any, any conversion optimization company, uh, like, you know, just, just to, be, to be frank. And I told him, well, yes, if you, can, if you think that you can hire anyone, we are not anyone. Um, you probably should go and find another agency to work with. So that's something that you want to think about. Okay. Next thing, and this will go to some of the, the things that Peter has said, which I think are just hitting the nail on his head, setting the right expectations. So another story over here, we delivered, we had a client hire us, delivered a 35% increase in revenue in 30 days. Absolutely incredible. Um, we typically don't deliver results that fast. Uh, it takes us sometimes like, you know, three months to be able to show any value. And that's something about setting expectations that's very critical. We always tell our clients whenever we onboard them, listen, the first three months, we're just merely doing research. Um, yes, we are going to launch several campaigns. We're going to launch several A-B tests. We're going to do lots of analysis, but we're just trying to understand. There's a good chance that the work that we do in the first three months is not going to ge generate the results. With this client's 35% increase in revenue, I mean, the team was ecstatic. I was ecstatic because I thought to myself, I'm like, hey, I'm going to call him. Uh, he's going to be happy. I call him and I'm excited. What do you think about the increase in revenue? And he's just absolutely quiet. And I can sense that there's something wrong. And he is on the, on the other hand, uh, on the other line, uh, on the other side of the phone. And he says, Kyle, sorry, we're going to have to fire you guys. I'm like, wow. Somebody on our team must have done something completely wrong in order for us to get fired after 35% increase in revenue. Uh, and, I, and I just looked at him as Jonathan. And I'm like, Jonathan, can you please explain to me? It's, it's fine. You want to walk away? No big deal. You can walk away at any point in time. But can you explain to me why? Because 35%, most of my clients don't get that until four, five, sometimes a year later. He says, well, I was hoping for a 65% increase in revenue. Quiet for a second. I said, did anybody promise you a 65% uplift in revenue in, in 30 days? Because if we did, I'd like to know who did that. Uh, it's fine, we'll walk away, but you know, I want to make sure. He said, and, and the client, he was very honest. He said, no, um, I saw in your presentations that you deliver 65% within 12 months. I was really needing it within the first 30 days in order for us to sustain ourselves. This is just not feasible. And he, that was the last conversation that I had with him, and he walked away from the contract. So here are some questions that I always ask during the sales process. Um, why do you want to work with us? Uh, why aren't you choosing any of our competitors? Uh, so we'll, for example, we'll compete with CXL, we compete with Wider Funnel. Those are some of the top CRO agencies. I tell them, so what, why are you reaching out to, the, to us? Why aren't you reaching out to CXL? Why aren't you reaching out to Wider Funnel? Why? 
and you have to be confident to ask those questions. You want to hear why they chose. Yesterday, uh, we had a company in Germany, and I asked them, I'm like, you know, there's so many conversion optimization companies out there in the U.S. Why did you choose that you want to, like, you know, reach out to us, set up an appointment? It was about 10 p.m. in Germany. Uh, you didn't have anything better to do than actually talk to me. I said, you know what? I've watched a video for you guys about a year and a half ago, and I've been following you on LinkedIn since then. I love the approach. I love the style. I want to hire you. That, those are the words that you want to hear from your clients. Another question that I asked them, okay, so you signed the contract. We're successful eight months later. What does that look like? And this is extremely important. You want to, over here, you're setting expectations. Six, sometimes we use eight, eight months, sometimes we use 12 months. But you want to hear what success looks like. If somebody tells me, and I've had this, uh, a company in Austin came out, reached out, to, reached out to us and said, hey, well, yeah, 12 months later, uh, I want to triple my revenue. I know what my team can deliver. And I also know that tripling revenue, and they were doing about $5 million, within 12 months, it's just not achievable. It's just not reasonable. It's not something that we're going to be able to deliver. And I told them, like, we're not right. That's, that's the expectations that you have. We're not going to achieve that. Now, you want to jot down and you want to write down what success mean, looks like. Um, you want to make sure that first you're able to actually deliver that success and that it's reasonable. If it's not reasonable, then you're setting up yourself for failure. The client is not going to be happy. You're not going to be happy. And it's just going to leave bad taste in everybody's mouth. Um, another question that you want to ask, which we've learned the hard way, uh, and this is something that you want to ask internally, does your process work for the particular client? We have a very lengthy, complicated process. Every time we launch an A-B test, there's five resources, uh, four resources that are working on the test every week. So uh, the number for, we're, we're doing 400 hours sometimes with the client in a month. If we take that process and we try and implement it with a startup, they cannot afford it and it's too cumbersome for them. Um, uh, the process works for large companies. Uh, for smaller startups, and we have a startup program, we have a very tailored and trimmed down process that works well for them. It took us a while where we said, we're doing all this work. So whenever somebody hires us, we do an analysis of their site. It's about 150 page document. It takes us a long time analyzing the sites, doing the client interviews, doing the customer research, and we deliver it to a small startup. And I'm talking to the gentleman and he's in Spain and he's like, to be honest, this is great. I only read the first two pages. I knew most of the stuff or I don't really even care to know most of the stuff. I want results. Instead of you guys writing this report, it would have been nice to see you guys implement those recommendations. That's completely different than our other clients where we try to say, you know what, let's just go ahead and implement really quickly. And they're like, no, no, no. They're VP of marketing and their CEO because they're a $300 million company. They want to see those details. There's a huge difference between a company that's doing $2 million and the process that they want and a company that's doing $300 million and the process that they want. So you always want to ask and you want to be able to um, adapt your process to meet the right clients. Number four, and perhaps the most critical part of why we keep clients on is the experience. Now think about this. Everything nowadays has been commoditized, correct? Goods have been commoditized, services have been commoditized, everybody copies everybody, uh, everybody else. And I gave you the example of the company that wanted to hire a conversion optimization firm. Um, you know, we all looked the same to them. So what do you compete on? You compete on experience, and I'm gonna just skip all of those. Um, now, when we talk about experience, what does that mean in your sales process? How does your sales process stand out for a client that's talking to you and talking to your competitors? Um, 
one of the interesting things that we found is lots of times our competitors, because they're large, they've hired sales teams and the sales teams are not expert in conversion optimization. While if a client, if the VP or the CTO at EBA reaches, reaches out to us, we don't have the sales team that's dealing with them. It's me. I'm the conversion optimization guy. I know conversion optimization really well. And when I asked the CTO at eBay, I'm like, so why do you choose us? Why do you choose us versus, uh, versus wider funnel? And he said, well, the team at wider funnel and not say anything about wider funnel that we've lost some contracts with them. They've lost some businesses to us. But he said, I was dealing with a sales guy with you. I was dealing with a conversion optimization expert. So that's something that I was looking for. So, Think about your sales process and how does that sales process stand out? How does it become unique? What do you need to do? Whenever a client signs a contract with us, lots of times the, you're extremely happy, you're excited, you just landed a new business, correct? But think of it from the client's perspective. Lots of times the client is anxious. Did I, do the, did I make the right decision? Um, is this, am I gonna see the ROI? Am I gonna see the, like, the, 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 the results that I was, I was expected? One of the powerful things, things that we do whenever the, uh, the client signs a contract, it will actually record a video. So it's me recording a video with the client and it's, by the way, low technology, correct? In our environment where I'm saying, hey, Jonathan, really glad to have you on board. Here's my number and he already has my number, but in the video, I'll mention the number and then I'll walk in with the video to our account manager who's gonna be handling the account. Here's our account manager, here's Ayat, say hi, hello. I says, hi, here's my phone number. I'm gonna be reaching out to you tomorrow. We're gonna to set up that video. And, and, and when I first thought about it, I'm like video and on, recorded on a phone, really that would make a difference? Well, guess what? Even with large, with 3M, with eBay, they never expected to receive something like that. And the amount, uh, the, because we've invested a human element into this process, we stand out from everybody else. Everybody else signs a contract and is very formal. We're very informal in our dealings, even with large enterprise clients. Um, the onboarding process is very interesting. So my, my, I have, I have a, a friend who runs a consulting company out of Detroit. It's a five-man operation, which is incredible. Their annual revenue is a $6 million for a five-man operation. Absolutely incredible. He is booked. If you want to book him right now, he is booked until August of next year because we're trying to get him refer some business to him. And he said, I am fully booked until August of next year. So you cannot take anybody. Um, whenever a client signs a contract with him, he actually tells the client, you have to fly to our site, which is a lot different, correct? Five-man operation. He has, last time I visited him, he had the leadership team from Ford actually in his office. Um, but what he taught me is that every little interaction that the client has with his team is actually planned. The client has to fly for three days. They cannot have the sign up in the client's site. Uh, he has actually a chef catering the food to them. Um, the way his office is set up, it is set up in a way that it feels very homey. So the client management team is sitting there. And I remember him telling me, Khalid, I used to charge $25,000 for an engagement. And his engagement is one month, by the way. Uh, he said, they will send me managers. So I start charging $50,000 and they with $50,000 for one month and they start sending me directors. He said, $100,000, they continue to send me directors. He charges now $150,000 for one month engagement. He said, at that point, I get the C-level. They're the ones who are flying to my site. And just the fact they are remote, they're away from their office, they're not allowed to use their phones. He crafted a very unique experience. Think about this. 
for you. Now, not everybody can afford to craft a unique experience, but how can you make that onboarding process a lot different? I know that all my competitors, when they onboard a client, they do you know, the, the virtual presentations. And now because of COVID, everybody's having to do it. Um, asking the client to fly to you, that is tremendously different. That sets you apart. That starts more strategic conversations. Finally, the ongoing relationship is very critical. What does the client expect? Um, we have some clients who want regular updates. They want one or two updates per week. We have some clients who want updates every two to three weeks. And of course, this is kind of a, the, the, the balance that you have to play because ultimately you're spending hours and that's what's really, that, that's your asset as, as an agency. So how do I provide the client the best value? We had some clients who always ask for lots of updates and I found I'm like, okay, well, you know, to hold a meeting with them three, four times a week, and the meeting will have two of my resources, their resources, it's a waste of their time. It doesn't provide the best value. So we figured out like every Sunday night, our account manager would actually go in and record a Loom video showing them, hey, this is what we've done. And uh, he has his, his picture showing in the, his, his face is showing in the video. Here's what uh, we've done last week. Here's what we're gonna be working on this week. The client receives that video, they watch it, they're giving feedback, extremely powerful. Again, we went for low tech solution that made the client very happy, saved us lots of hours. Um, we're able to be available. One of the things that we do with the ongoing relationship as a client signs up, they always get my phone number. And I tell them, listen, at any point in time, you have an issue. Here's my phone number. Just send me a text message. I respond to you right away. It doesn't matter whether it's 1 a.m., 6 a.m. I respond to you really quickly. I've been telling clients that for the last four or five years. I think I've only had one client who ever used that text message uh, to send me actually a WhatsApp message. Um, otherwise, just the comfort that I gave clients, and I always tell our account managers whenever they're dealing with clients, you're there to support the clients. Um, you want to make sure that you're available to them. You're that strategic advisor to the client. Number five, deliver results. If you cannot deliver results, then you have a problem. Um, let me see, you need to deliver results that clients want, want question. And this is one of the problems that I see, um, especially if you're promising to increase revenue, if you're promising to increase conversion rates, if you're promising to reduce costs per lead, for example, CPLs, what are the results that the clients are delivering and are you able to show them clearly? Um, we were working with a client and he asked me, he said, listen, our PPC agency just delivered this analysis for us. Can you take a look at the numbers? And I looked at the numbers and I knew from the get-go, and the clients are smart nowadays, that the agency was just playing with the numbers. And you know, I had to tell them, like, you know, the numbers don't make a whole lot of sense. You probably want to ask more questions. The biggest complaint that we hear from clients whenever they're dealing with agencies is they cannot see the value. They question the numbers. They question, am I getting the real value that I expect? But it's not enough to deliver results. Uh, and this is something we had to learn the hard way because we would deliver increases in conversion rates, but you want to show the results to the client. You can, uh, the, the, the best example that I, that I have uh, that I take from Keith Cunningham is he said, you can, you can be at a party with the lights turned off and that there's this gorgeous, beautiful blonde who's sitting on the other side of the room and you blow her a kiss. She doesn't see it. No one sees it. No one knows about it, but you, he said, that's no value. Results not delivered are not results. Results delivered but not recognized are not results. The results that are delivered, results that are recognized are real results. And that's what you need to do. You need to show your clients results often. You need to show them the results consistently. So one of the things that we do with our clients is 
at a minimum, once a quarter, we're doing full analysis. Here's the revenue impact. Here's what we brought to you. Here's what, where you were before you joined us and we start working together. And here's where you are now uh, nowadays. So um, let me see. Here are some things that you want to think about because I think they are very powerful. What are the wins that you're delivering? So sometimes we've delivered the project on time. Sometimes we've delivered an increase in revenue. Sometimes we've delivered a reducing cost. Sometimes we've delivered you want to document the wins very clearly. You want to share them with the right people. Um, you want to think who should know the wins. Lots of times you might be dealing with a project team that's different than the CEO, than the VP of marketing. You want to make sure that you're communicating with the right stakeholders and what is the dollar impact. If you can figure this out, if you can show somebody that I've made you $200,000 in the last three months, guess what? You will continue. If you, there's debating what value you bring, guess what? there's a good chance that they might not keep you around. Now, the minute you deliver those results, that's when you ask for case studies. We've just had uh, Soft Surroundings, a large client. They, they, they do about close to 200, $300 million in annual sales. We've been working with them now since November of last year. Um, we've done the analysis for them. We showed them that we've increased their mobile conversion rate by 35%, desktop conversion rate by 40%. They loved it. Typically, we would have stopped there. But what we've done is I talked to their VP of marketing. I said, hey, do you mind if you actually uh, do a case study with us? And she was very much willing. And guess what? She also said, well, actually, and I also have a friend who I think will benefit from your service. Another thing that we see that works really well is if you can figure out awards that you can submit. Now, your goal might be, okay, we're going to find an award. I'm going to work with my clients. You get the client excited this way. A third thing that I did not add over here that works really well is video testimonials. We tell the clients, listen, we want to record a video with you. We're going to send a crew. They're going to, and, and it doesn't cost a whole lot, by the way. In the US, you can get it as done for as cheap as $500, but you're, you're, you have a video, the, the video crew that they're going to record the client in their environment. And whenever we're recording those testimonials, it's something also we had to learn the hard way. Whenever, whether it's written testimonial or video testimonials, here are the four questions that we always ask. Those questions are very powerful whenever you're asking for a testimonial. How was the situation with the client before hiring you? How is the situation after hiring you? This is very powerful because you can use that on your site. You can use that as in sales material. What is the dollar impact? And by the way, if you do this analysis for the client and you hand it to them before they bring you on, before you record the testimonial or the case study or the video, you're basically telling the client the, the impact and would they recommend you? And this is very powerful. Imagine having, uh, having 50 different case studies uh, from previous clients saying this, I would recommend them. Yes, you know, they generated a million dollars. They generated a hundred thousand dollars. Yes, uh, we did not know what we're doing in this area. And after we brought them on board, they brought structure to the process. They increased our revenue. Very powerful. Um, it enforces the relationship with the client. It helps you land new clients as well. Um, number seven, I think we're getting very close to, uh, to finishing the, the, the hour, being trusted and strategic advisor. And I put, uh, initially I had said strategic and trusted, but really you need to be trusted and strategic advisor. And this is how you expand your business with the client. Uh, and, and this is where account management becomes really important. Not lots of times, whenever we're dealing with an account, we're just managing the day-to-day. -day. It's very tactical. Account manager, whether it's you or you have somebody who is managing the account, that's where you become strategic. That's where you need to be trusted advisor. And first thing, as a trusted advisor, you need to look at your own team's performance. 
are we struggling in certain areas? What's amazing to me, we've done a survey for lots of agencies and about 60% of their clients, they feel that they struggle within the first month until they move, they, they're very slow, not the right resources, not the right project management. If you're struggling in an area, you need to be very open with your clients. The more open you are, by the way, the more they trust you. And that's where the account manager is, uh, the account manager is the voice of the client with your own team. Why aren't we doing well? Uh, listen, John, this is really not going well. This is something I'm going to fix. The other thing that you want to ask is, well, what does the best advice that the client needs? Whether on your project or overall as an agency, because you get to see their, uh, their, um, their business. The rule that I have is never worry about expanding your business. And it's sort of funny because the whole point of this presentation is, well, how do I expand? Don't worry about expansion. Expansion comes if you are a trusted advisor. And that's what we've seen where our clients come to us and they say, hey, you know, can you help us with this? Uh, can you help us? You know, we come in to do conversion optimization. Well, can you help us with email? Can you help us with personalization? Because we're trusted. We tell them this area is really not working well. Maybe we can help and improve it. Um, sometimes we'll put in the hours, additional hours, just to provide you. We had one client that's about to do a presentation in a conference. Something has nothing to do with us. And I noticed on LinkedIn that she had posted that, well, I'm going to do the presentation. I'm like, well, let me, let me see. The, I offered, I'm like, can I see the presentation? I looked at it. I don't like the design. So why don't we, why don't I ask one of our designers to do the design, the slides for you? Why don't do a couple, couple of practice sessions? Did not expect that from us. And guess what? We, that personal relationship, we become, we became a trusted advisor. Now, strategic being a strategic advisor, um, let me see. Uh, can we speed it up? Yes, we're about to finish. Strategic advisor, you want to have strategic conversations on quarterly basis, and those are not about your project, correct? What are your marketing plans? And right now, for example, with our e-commerce clients, we're already talking about Black Friday, correct? What are we going to do to make sure that we're able to recover from COVID? What are we doing in, in uh, Black Friday? What areas are they, uh, is the client struggling with? What are some new opportunities? You always, as, as an account manager, you always want to look for new opportunities. Don't worry about expanding your business, but keep an eye on new opportunities that will help you expand, uh, expand your business. The minute you're strategic, your trusted advisor, that will help you increase uh, your revenue within, within the client. I'm going to finish with this slide and I'm going to then put my contact information. Um, like Sahel mentioned, we have uh, our FigPi software. eBay is using it, Z Gallery, Soft Surrounding, some large enterprise clients. But we also have smaller clients that are using it. It gives you A-B testing. It gives you polls, recordings, heat maps. Go ahead and sign up. Um, typically, I think there's 14 days free trial. But if you'd like to sign up, I'll put my, uh, the website is FIGPI, F-I-G-P-I-I. -I. I always end up choosing very strange names for the business. People ask, like, invest, what does that stand for? I tell them, I don't remember. It made sense back in 2005. Don't remember what it stands for, but it's a, it's a weird name that you'll always remember. FIGPI um, is, our, is our software that our clients use. Um, again, just drop me an email. Here's my contact information. Call it at invest or I'm very active on LinkedIn. I share lots of marketing lessons that I've learned. Uh, connect with me over there. I'll be glad if you have any questions to answer, uh, to answer those questions. Sad, I'm gonna turn it to you. Sorry, I, I was, I'm like, oh, I wasn't sure if I'm gonna speak for 20 minutes. Well, and as usual, I spoke for the whole hour. Uh, <laughs> if anybody has any questions, so. I think uh, it was a great session. And uh, about Khaled and LinkedIn, I, I followed him on LinkedIn and that is why I used to see his content and feel like that uh, he has a lot to say. And if we can get him physically around, then uh, it will be better for our uh, client uh, agency owners. They would be able to learn a lot of things. 
and uh, i think uh, we have four uh, questions uh, khalid so if you can quickly answer them because as we are already i'm going to put them over here and i'm going to say um, what do you do when you have to buy extra time from client to give better results i have a very honest conversation lots of times i have learned this the hard way we used to ask clients to sign large contracts and i told you we have an seo agency that is a client of ours and i've learned this from them they never saw, sell large large engage, engagements. They'll say, okay, smaller hours, but show value. And they say, hey, if you want to expand, and this is the SEO agency, if you want us to handle your, your link building, then we can do this. Now, if you want to expand into content, we can do that. So they're always delivering the best that they can deliver uh, based on what the client is asking for. And then they move on from there to say, hey, we want to add more hours. And it's a very honest conversation. Um, the first three, four months of an engagement is when you're establishing trust. If you're able to establish trust, um, the client will tell you, yes, how can I expand that? With us, for example, implementation. How do I handle implementation? Lots of times we might bring a client to I and tell them, hey, you already have a developer. Have the developer implement our recommendations. We know that the developers are busy. Two months later, the developer is not able to implement. So we say, hey, why don't we handle this for you? Let's do it for free for a month. Another question. Sometimes clients don't want extra information and dialing. They just need results. I completely agree. How can we make them understand the value of the work and effort that goes behind? I, I think I've answered this question. Adapt your yes. process for different clients, correct? Yes. Some clients are not interested. They just want the results, especially with smaller clients. How do you deal with impatient clients? You need to uncover them. By the way, uh, one of the things I'm not doing it right now with, uh, with, with clients is I tell them, I got to meet you face to face. I want to make sure that you're not an asshole. Last time I told that to a client, they're like, what? Did you just say that? I said, yes, life is hard. You know, your life is probably hard. My life is really hard. We're friends right now. I don't want you, like, you know, to, to be on board and then get really annoyed with me. By the way, being very personal like that, something that they don't expect. No other agency will tell them <laughs> something like that. So they're like, whoa. So I thought, let's meet, let's talk. Let's make sure that I can look you in the eye. I feel comfortable with you. You feel comfortable with me. How to use existing clients to get new clients? When you deliver results, that's when you ask for referrals, ask for referrals, but show results. And that's when you ask them to say, hey, we've delivered these results. How can I actually, like, do you have anybody that you recommend? Sometimes you might build that into the contract. I'll give you 20% discount. Four months later, I will come and ask you for referral. That's another way that you can do this. I hope this was helpful. I hope that you guys found, I would say found, uh, I hope that you found one or two gems of things that you can uh, implement and that will generate more business for you. Thanks. Thanks a lot, Khaled. I think it was a wonderful session. Uh, thank you all.